Cambridge Insider Podcast time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode. It's the Cambridge Insider Podcast. Remember to like, listen, subscribe, share, send questions, send queries. If you don't like the sound of my voice, tell us and we can get another co-host in. Liana, they will never get rid of you. How are you? (laughs) I think that people love your voice. If you didn't know, you have a pretty good accent that is pretty popular around here. So I don't think they're ever getting rid of you either, but I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I think the majority of people are just trying to figure out what what I'm saying most of the time. I don't think it's, uh, you know, (laughs) anything more than that, but I'm doing well, thank you for asking. It's a beautiful day in North New Jersey. Um, And I've spoken about this before. I'm quite a jealous guy if people are in like great spots in the world. And our guest uh, today is... I believe still in where she where I left her previously because Simone and I have have traveled the world together and we'll get into that in just a second but our guest uh, this afternoon on the podcast Simone Sprague coming to us from where Simone Monterey California Wow I know one of the most beautiful places in the world truly lucky 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 Simone, why don't you take just a second and introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Okay, that'll be my pleasure. So my name is Simone Sprague, and I just finished my seventh year um, at Cambridge as an SDM, which means a student development manager. Um, I was an international student from the Netherlands. I came to this country at 21. Um, My family has hosted, um, I did the count this morning, a dozen students from Japan and seven students so far from Cambridge. Um, Four boys, three girls, um, which is interesting because we have two daughters. So when we started bringing boys into the house, it was an interesting experience. And we learned that as long as the protein level was good, life was was good with the boys. Like less drama, more protein. Um, Those boys are now, we have two of them um, who are attending NYU. We have a girl who's at the Paul in Chicago. We have a boy student at Occidental in Southern California. Um, my oldest daughter just graduated from Hamilton, upstate New York, and my youngest daughter is graduating tomorrow from um, wow. yes, the University of Utrecht in the Netherlands. So she went back to the home country. Um, I've attended um, in-country orientation in China with Stephen. I got to be his like wife and considering I'm like 20 (laughs) years older, I was like, this is so inappropriate, but this is so fun for me. Um, So my background is in international business. Um, I'm TESOL certified. Um, Love my job. Love, love, love my job. And I'm really happy to be talking to you guys here today. So wow. just just on a point of order, when Simone mentioned that she she played my wife, it was in a um a, a, a like a sort of a little play that we do, a little skit that we do to to show a couple things just to, so that the listeners are aware. Um, when we do go to these in country orientations, it's a great event if you have the opportunity to attend. New students that potentially might be listening, make sure that you go to your ICO. I know currently they are still virtual, but we're hoping to get on the ground in China at some stage in the future. Simone, it's so cool to have you on because I think um, you can just share so much. I mean, you're a host uh, family, you're a host mom, um, you have the international, uh, the, the experience of being an international student yourself and being an immigrant yourself. 
Um, and then, of course, seven years at Cambridge Network. So there's just, I feel like one episode's not going to do it. Um, so we might have to have you back in the future. But I know that today's episode, specifically from your angle, we're going to be talking a little bit about alumni networks. Um, we want this to be, you know, beneficial for both schools and for students. So, you know, let me let me start things off by sort of asking you both from an SDM and from a host perspective. Do you keep in touch with with students that have graduated both from your home and from the schools where you've worked? I do. I do very much. Um, and there are always students who kind of disappear, like the students who maybe weren't super engaged when they were here. Um, but I definitely I keep everyone on WeChat. And I think we should be talking a lot, a lot about WeChat today. Um, that was like as I was preparing that came, kept coming up for me. Um, I send the messages on their birthdays. Um, on Mother's Day, I'll send a message saying, "Hey, it's Mother's Day, Erica. Please, um, you know, think of think of your host mom, your host dad." And then I get these giddy messages back from my host mothers going, "Oh my God, Johnny remembered!" And and I think it makes everyone feel good, and it keeps them connected because I think sometimes. The students, when they leave, they feel like they really are moving away. But as a host mother, it's like we care deeply about these children. You know, I mean, we 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 sort of go through this journey with them, um, you know, where they they are adjusting. Uh, we're dealing with culture shock. We're dealing with homesickness. We're dealing with them getting their first C in the history of ever on an English paper or they'll get homework back and it looks like someone bled all over it and they've never seen this before. And so, so there's a lot of emotion involved. And then sometimes, you know, their dream school, they, they don't get in. And, and so it's by the time they're, they leave your house, you're, it's like, I'm there, your own. like, there's, there's so much um, emotion involved. Um, so I don't believe that relationship ends when they leave. Um, we have a lot of kids who come back um, to our house. They come back for Thanksgiving, um, Christmas. We had during during COVID our host student. Um, Jerry was at Occidental in LA and everybody was sent home and, and there were just a couple of international students in the dorm and it was very lonely. And, and he called and he said, can I just please come home? And um, so at that point, we were hosting four students. My daughter and a boyfriend were back. My youngest daughter was back. And so it was like, you know, Ed, we're out of beds, but, you know, if you're okay sleeping on the sofa, then please do come home. And we had, you know, karaoke nights and we, we sort of did graduation in the home because the boys missed out on so much. So, um, definitely, definitely keep in touch, um, you know, I think it's it's um, it's super important, and um, and how like how we how we keep in touch. Um, I wanted to share the story of this student. We'll call her Abby for um, the podcast purposes, just to keep her privacy. Um, she was supposed to live with us this year and didn't get to because of COVID. She didn't get to come. It was her first year at this school very bright student but very early on she started to struggle it was just hard for her to attend the lessons on online like a lot of kids it was just couldn't focus they needed more in-person um in-person connection and fortunately her teachers were so accommodating and um, kept sending her email saying you know here's an extension to um, the deadline and hear your assignments again if it wasn't clear 
and they would never hear back. And everyone was, they said, we're emailing her, we're emailing her. And I said, but, but these kids are not, they're not reading their emails. And, and it's like where we come from. So I'm in my fifties. So I was like, when the fax machine came, that was like a big thing <laughs> for me. And then, you know, like your generation with so it's email and then it's texting. Um, so I would, I would text, I would, I would reach out to the student and say, you need to go look at your email right now because it's really important because everyone is working really hard um, to help you. And it's just a generational thing. And I, I think our school partners don't know that. And they send emails to the students or they, um, they think that that's the way to communicate. And it just isn't anymore. And, and just last week, I was talking to my, my youngest daughter, who's 20. And one of her friends um, was applying to grad school in Belgium and needed to mail this physical packet to Belgium. And my daughter called and she said, I was so proud because I knew where the stamp went. She didn't know where <laughs> the address went and where the return address went. And I remember from all those like, thank you cards that you guys made us send, I remember where everything went. And I was like, okay, well, that's really great information. But then and the next day she calls me and she goes, okay, so, so I have these leftover American stamps and I'm, I'm sending a letter in Holland do you think it'd be okay if I just put those American <laughs> there? So even though, like, okay, so smarty pants, you know how to do this, you know, where where the stamp goes. But she did not know because this is these kids have literally, they've never written a check. They've never, you know, addressed an envelope. So so I think we need to really realize that it's a different generation and email is really obsolete and we chat is the only thing that they check. And, and I do just, just I do just sorry to interrupt there, Simone. And I know Liana is gonna kill me because she also has several questions, but I do just want to stand still there because I think it's such a valuable, valuable point to make. Um we often talk about we need to, you know, translate marketing material that we send for schools to localize that content. If we're talking about communication, we need to do exactly the same thing. We need to be localizing communication, not only to the teenage population, but specifically to the international teenage population. And anybody that's traveled in China will know absolutely everything works through phones. Absolutely everything. You can do, people do presentations from their cell phones. Um, you know, WeChat runs everything. People pay each other through WeChat. So, um, you know, I think it's it's important to take note of the fact that it's become such an important communication tool. And I would encourage schools specifically, take that as an opportunity to grow your relationship with your students by saying, I've heard about WeChat, help me download an account, help me connect with you. How does this work? Tell me a little bit more. Not only then are we understanding a little bit more about the tool and how it connect, can connect effectively, but we're also growing that relationship between school or, or coordinator and students. So Simone, I'm so, you know, I'm so pleased that you brought that up because it is something that is a sticking point and something that we really need to refocus on from the school's perspective. Yeah, definitely. I can't uh, say enough that same with Simone. WeChat is just the way to go for our students. Um, but I will say that our students also kind of do have to meet in the middle um, with email. And that's something we're going to be working on a lot with our students next year. Next school year is um, I know with Mariah, we talked about the student leadership cohort and we're going to get into that about how 
email in the U.S. really is the professional communication mode, and they have to get better about checking their emails. However, when we're talking about alumni relationships and keeping in touch with our students outside of the classroom, it really is important that as a school official, as a host, as a student development manager, we have WeChat and we're connecting with them on that level. And like you said, Simone, you know, it's such a vulnerable journey that we're going through with these students. They're going through so many challenges and successes and just emotions throughout their ride here. So you really do build that relationship with a lot of students and having that and holding on to it into the future after they graduate is just so valuable. So I want to kind of get into what are the benefits do you think of um, an alumni relationship with a student and and where can it go? Because I think it's really a gift that can just keep on giving if if we do it right. I think so too. I think so too. And and as an illustration, I was trying to see how I could best make my point. Um, and I will share the story of um, Anna, um, another <laughs> hypothetical Anna. Um, she was she was one of my students and amazing, brilliant. I just looked back into the records. Her GPA was 4.38, um, perfect math score on her SAT. I don't remember what her English score was, but it was was near perfect. And she really wanted to go to Wellesley. And so she applied early decision and was waitlisted. Um, her family had hired a Chinese counselor <clears throat> who was heavily involved. And for some reason, things just did not come together for, for um, Anna. So she, University of Chicago, she was waitlisted. Cornell, she was waitlisted. Emory, she was waitlisted. And she ended up getting into UC Davis and UC San Diego. And she ended up picking University of San Diego, which is a fantastic school, by the way. Um, but um, her parents were very displeased with, with the results and her, the celebration luncheon that I put together every year. I mean, it was like, it was a funeral. It was just, the parents were so verbal. Like, like, I mean, it was, it was just really, really sad. It was really sad because it was still, it, it, it's, you know, very, very difficult school to get into. And she did, but it wasn't her dream school. And, and so the counselor was disappointed. The parents were disappointed. Okay, here, now we fast forward four years. I stay in touch with this student and her host parents too. And I get this phone call and she got into the graduate school at Columbia. Okay, oh, wow. which is amazing, right? So then a week later, I get a text message from the student saying, guess what? I just got a yes from Yale. And um, two days later, she calls me and says, I'm going to Harvard. I got into grad school at Harvard. Um, so I see this story, these stories always make, I'm always crying. Stephen knows like when I'm telling <laughs> the stories in China, I'm always crying. So anyway, so, how, so as far as the school was concerned, so it was a UC San Diego admission, right? But now because of the fact that we stayed in touch now we have the, you know, Columbia, Yale, Harvard, because it was a direct result of where she went in high school, um, the success that she is now having as a, as a, grad, as a grad student. Um, 
I think what it's going to mean for the school to market that particular school in China is going to work wonders because it's always about Harvard, Stanford, Yale, you know, Brown, you know, just um, all those all those great Ivy League schools. And and so I think she's going to be super popular at these alumni events. And, and I think it's just and it was really good for me because I felt so bad for her back then because she had worked so hard. She'd volunteered at the hospital and she attended clubs. She was part of Model UN. Um, and then to be this disappointed with that highest success. So I think she came full circle and and it was really nice to be able to communicate with her about that. Um, and then most recently, I had a student, um, she got into Georgia Tech, and a student from a different school was interested in doing a summer camp at Georgia Tech. And I said, you know what, I'm going to connect you to. And again, we chat. Um, they connected and and the one student was able to give the other students some really valuable advice on on dorms and what to do and who to pick classes from and what was a good idea and what wasn't a good idea. So I think in a lot of ways we're um, we're bridge builders in that sense. Um, and and I think the other thing that sort of ties into it for me is that a lot of our schools, because they're private schools, um, the fundraising portion, um, has been really interesting to me because I know that as the percentage of international students increases, um, the gifting to the school changes a lot because most of the private school, they say, you know, 80 or 85 percent of our operating budget is um, covered by tuition. But we do need these gifts and we do need when we're doing these fundraisers. Um, now that we don't have Chinese parents participating in that, it, it changes things a little bit for us. And I think if we keep in touch with the alumni, and again, WeChat is everything. It's, it's they're never going to, they're never going to um, read the emails. But I think if we were to get the message across that, you know, your gift would help fund the robotics lab that helped your kid get into brown or um you know the soccer field that your child loved so much um and this is all that's all part of it and just circling back to wechat one last last time right before i got on i was talking to my student hannah who's still here she decided she didn't she wasn't going to go home this summer and i said hannah um how often do you check your emails and she looks at me and she goes uh never <laughs> <laughs> and and tell me how many unread emails you have and it was over a thousand so so i think the lesson in alumni relations in communication with the parents and wechat is so beautiful in their translation um um performance because i hannah's parents don't speak english i don't speak chinese and we have a magnificent relationship. We understand. We talk about her daughter. Um, sometimes funny stuff happens where it doesn't quite translate um, appropriately. But I think we we need to get people on board with with WeChat. So I think this is really a podcast about or a commercial for WeChat and how we can mine that and how we can how we can use it. 
they definitely don't need more free advertising. I can tell you that much, but um, <laughs> we, we certainly advocate for it from, from our side. So Moen, you know what? So it, usually I sort of summarize a little bit, but so well said. I think the little anecdotes and stories are a great illustration, not only of how to build those those relationships and keep in touch with the alumni, but I love the idea what you said about being sort of, you know, bridge builders. Um, what better word of mouth advertising for a school than a graduate student who's going to an Ivy League, but a graduate student who graduated perfectly and then maybe didn't go to that perfect school that they wanted to and has that life experience. I just think letting somebody like that loose and having them being able to give this testimonial of, of their journey, I think is, I say this often, but I think is the gold standard of what we look for when we look at alumni specifically being able to to advertise and and market schools in in some of their testimonials so so Martin, i know we're running out of time i wish we could talk to you for another you know 45 minutes um but executive producer dean he's a stickler for time he gets a little annoyed and he tends to always blame it on me so i'm not taking any chances today but we do appreciate you being on the podcast and you know what from my side who knows couple of months, maybe you and I are back in China doing some great work together. So I look forward to that. I look forward to that too. Thank you for having me, you guys. Ms. Liana Glass, any final thoughts from your side? Yeah, just that, um, you know, everything Simone has touched on is, is so spot on. If we have schools and hosts and student development managers creating these bonds with students and keeping in touch with them through graduation, we are forming this this strong connection and loyalty with that student and they remember where they came from, they remember their high school days and their host families and who they lived with and were supported by throughout that entire experience. And then, like you said, we have this amazing word of mouth marketing that comes from that. Um, so building that community and that trust between you and a student is so important for that. And um, Simone, we can't say thank you enough for coming on to uh, this episode and being our guest. You have so many years of experience to speak from, and um, it was an honor to have you. So thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Um, you know, it's the, the final thing that I will end off on is, is two things. Maybe Simone and I will do a live recording of a podcast from China one day. That would be awesome. Um, and I do just want to say, you know, it's a small world, strangely enough, this this international market. It seems big at times. And specifically when we talk about China, it's a massive country, but it is strangely enough a small world and looking after those relationships um, can only put you in a better place. To all of our listeners, as always, we hope we enriched you with some uh, uh, great stories from somebody who's super experienced. We hope we enrich you in general with these episodes. Remember to like, listen, subscribe, do all of those great things, and we'll catch you around the next episode. Bye-bye, everybody.